Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to the comic. Comic. Welcome back, all you nerds! It's Comic Zone presents Dragon D's Balls. It's myself, Vince, Mike, and Chelsea on this episode today, and we're welcoming a brand new anime that we have all watched, I want to say, probably a long time ago, but it's called Death Parade. And getting into it... First time I watched it, this was... Probably like 2015 or longer, and then I. This is the first time I realized as I was watching it that I was watching it in English, because uh, I remember, I don't remember it all being as clear as it is. Like so, like yeah. I, I remember watching it the first time and not being sure what exactly everything was all about. See, I want to say we watched it. God, probably like five years ago. And so we watched it when the English dub was already a thing. And I want to say maybe the English dub just came out. Like, so, because I I think when I was scrolling through Funimation when we first got it, uh, that was one that popped up as being newly dubbed. And I was like, huh. I I watched it on a long time ago, like on Hulu or something. Right. And it was only in Japanese. So wow. it's a lot, it's kind of nice to watch it in English and just like, because not that I can't watch anime and sub, but um, it's a pain in the ass because then you don't get to, you're, you're not like getting to. You don't get to your, watch everything that's actually happening well, on the screen because you're too focused on trying to, yeah, well, to read. It's far inconsistent when it comes to subtitled titles anyways, just because. I feel like some do a pretty good job where they'll try to kind of front load the dialogue so that way you can also kind of like see what's going to happen and read it. You know, it's like, I don't know, I want to say half a second or a second before the things actually happen. So when it's subtitled like that, I feel like it's easier to watch, but not every company or not every, they don't do that for every title. So, um, it, you know, because some are, I just feel like are subbed better. But there are those where it just, I mean, it runs the dialogue so fast at the bottom and it's going on when it's actually happening on screen. That makes it hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Stuff can be mistranslated too. Well, uh, but at times, so you don't get like the actual meaning of what they were going to, they were trying to say. Right. Well, and that's why I'm not as big of a fan of the subs. Like, I know. You know, like Scott, um, you know, especially like when it came to Steins Gate and things like that, he will always watch the subs because he, he wants to get it He's watched. A purist. Yes, and he wants to get it watched right away as well. Um, and so he'll mm-hmm. go back and watch it once it gets dubbed over, which I get. But for me, especially when it comes to shows like, say, you know, like Dragon Ball Z or something like that, when you're trying to pay attention to their fights and different things going on, it's more of a hindrance but then at the same time so i noticed when we were watching death parade it's funny because the very first couple in the beginning the voice actor for the gal she's also makse kurisu in steins gate so that's all i heard and then the couple well not couple but the guy and gal that play the arcade game that's bulma and weiss and so that's all i hear Mm -hmm. when i hear them talking so sometimes that does throw me when it comes to animes having the same voice actors actors, yeah well with funimation it's gonna be like that Mm -hmm. for for sure because they i mean i like that too they're a close-knit group of they use a lot of the same people for different things but 
in that with being such a close knit group of people that are acting together all the time, I bet you get way better chemistry and and, and easier that, time working together. And it yeah. does come through, like uh, Scott was talking about in Steinsgate, how that guy was so um, passionate about the project because he was writing the script too. Yeah. yeah, that he, all that emotion that you heard in him was real. You know, he really felt that passionately about what he's doing, which I think, you know, it helps you as the viewer become emotionally invested too when your voice actors can get that across. When you have shitty voice acting, you can't get into it as well. Cause I mean, yes, I was it's just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, it's a cartoon. And so. You you need them to be able to emote that for you, or it's just going to fall flat. Right. Oh yeah. And what's his name? The Oracle guy, or whatever. Oh, Oculus. Oculus, the guy, the older man, man bun and whatnot. That's playing billiards. Yeah, he's like Uh, the. He's kind of the. He's essentially like God. He's the grand premister of the arbiters. Yep. But he is voiced by um, Lord Slug and Sorbet in Dragon Ball Super. Yep. And so that's all I heard too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew it right away, especially when he lost. He kind of goes, oh, no. And it was just, it was very, very rec- like recognizable then. At pool? When they were playing pool? Yeah, he missed a shot and he goes, oh, no. And I just heard like Lord Slug and Sorbet right there. I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> there Get, we go. Yeah. It, well, it is like I kind of like it, makes you more comfortable with the show almost too. If you, it's like yeah. familiar familiarity oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. kind of brings that comfort but i'm willing to bet that would have to be that would be pretty fucking hard for a voice actor to come up with so many voices like that and try to like differentiate yourself between them all you know yeah make each character unique in their own way audiobook um narrators a lot of the time are very talented in changing their voice to the point um a lot of these guys and stuff they're able to project like a female air in their voice. So yeah, it's got that kind of feminine so quality can, yeah, to it. Yeah, they can do it, a female voice, and you know it's a dude, but you're like, oh, I can, your I can kind of... Let's I mean, hear your best. No. Come on. Oh, come, come on, on, Mike. I'm good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you your mine if you show me yours. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but like some of these guys, I mean... And women too, they're able to do it as well. They're um I forget the their names, but they do a lot of the reading for Brandon Sanderson. And um yeah, there's a for one of the series it's called um Way of Kings. Oh yep. Or that's the first book anyway. Um later on or I think it's in since the first book, but anyway, they both kind of read the books at the same time so he'll read some chapters if it's from the perspective of like a mainly a dude mm-hmm. and then she will take over if it's from the perspective of a, a woman that's interesting that is pretty cool hey, that's a, that's a cool that. yeah we could that's a cool way to do it <laughs> yeah 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 for sure i don't know though i mean like uh, fuck i mean it's one of those things like Tara Strong, I just watched a Vanity Fair YouTube video with her, and she was talking about her role as Timmy Turner, and that was pretty interesting because she was also, like, uh, reviewing impressions of her, you know, and where a lot of these uh, women actually failed is she's like, you have to 
think Andy Moat like a teenage boy would, you know, because a lot of them would do Timmy Turner and they sounded like Timmy Turner, but she's like, you don't sound like a teenage boy. You sound like an excited girl being Timmy Turner, you know, right. mm-hmm. and it was pretty interesting. Once she like laid it out and they played them again, I was like, oh, okay. and she explains kind of what she does, like with her throat and her vocal cords to kind of get that, you know, 10 year old, like kind of young boy sound, whatever. That's why they call it voice acting, you know what I mean? And that's got to be harder than almost being in a movie or on a stage or in a show. Well, it is. Because you can emote with your body. And but when you're voice acting, you're relying solely on your voice, and then of course the animation and whatnot. But well, and even I mean, this isn't really necessarily voice acting, but you know, I I record a lot of radio ads um, <clears throat> as a little kid, and I really have to um, like when I record those ads, kind of fall into that role and that little kiddish kind of excitement that I usually have to do in an ad or sometimes whininess or kind of mopey, you know, and and I have to think about that too. I almost, um, like my arms kind of move and I almost kind of act behind the microphone as I'm trying to get the point across when I'm recording a line. Right, well, just like how you were just moving your hands. Exactly. Well, like when, I, when you're talking or like I do that a lot too, I speak with my hands a lot. Too. Yeah, if you watch us on our other, you know, just the Comic Zone podcast itself that we put on YouTube, you'll see that with us that mm-hmm. <clears throat> we talk so much with our hands too and and that always helps get your point across in person. So when it comes to voice acting, you got to be able to have the right inflections and tones, you know, to get across I, those emotions. You'll see I, that a lot with sorry, but you'll see that a lot with a lot of voice actors. They're acting it out in the booth. Oh, like with, yeah. It, just to help them emote that through their voice better. If you're just standing there. Right. Um, like, so, Sean Schimmel, for I, example. I was just going to say Sean like he, Schimmel. He's going to stand there, and he's going to fucking, you know, have his arms out just like Goku, and he's going to be, like, that dude's passed out. Like in, he, Yeah, he puts his whole, like his whole body into, like, the Goku screams, and, mm-hmm. yep, he has, like, passed out in the booth before and stuff, just putting his all into it. Yeah. Oh, and I was going to say, though, I would say that's still a form of acting because, you know, you're portraying yeah, for sure. you're portraying a character. But, you know, um, there is another voice actor I watched on Vanity Fair, and he said it's it's very important to emote and put your physical body into voice acting. Because, you know, he's like, there's a difference, and he did more Looney Tune characters, and he was like, you know, Marvin the Martian, he's not very emotive, you know, he's just kind of standstillish, you know, mm, rabbit, and mm-hmm. he doesn't really emote a whole lot, but somebody like he does, like Porky Pig, you know, he does, like, emote quite a bit, and he's kind of a more fluid character, so he has to kind of put that in his performance when he's behind the microphone. It's pretty interesting, because he's like, it does add to it because he showed an example he had an impression of this girl that was like shaking her head violently while doing the stutters of porky pig and he's like she sounds like porky pig but porky pig having you know a stroke he's like (laughs) it's not bad but he's like you know when you jerk around that much you can hear that in the performance right and if you overdo it that can be bad too right exactly well speaking of overdoing it we've probably Overdone it with our yeah, voice we're only, acting we're talk. We're actually ten minutes. Only ten. <laughs> are minutes we really? Then, so. I feel like we always. I feel like our tangents are always so much longer. That's well, it's all good it, though. That's true. Yeah. Um. So yeah, getting into the show. Um. Mm. Death Parade. 
first thing I want to talk about is the song. Like, it is, I like it. The opening it, one? But oh it's my goofy. God. It's so goofy because it starts out almost like a Japanese cover band of Buck Cherry. Mm. And then transitions <laughs> into this, like, weird cover band, Japanese cover band of the Bee Gees towards the end. It's pretty <laughs> fucking interesting. It's a weird song. I it's, like the intro, though. It's very weird and upbeat for how dark the show actually <laughs> is, honestly. Especially I when think that's on purpose. It. That's kind of what I like about it is, I think even when you first, I mean, get into the show, I mean, shit, they throw you, I mean, you're just in the middle of it right away. It's a lot like Steinsgate in the way that it seems lighthearted at times, um, but then, or like, so like when the couple shows up in the first episode, first off, they seem like a very loving couple, right? and I think that's a great episode just in the fact that it's it so is. real and like it, it shows the you. insecurities of how real people are. Like you can on the surface on Facebook or whatever, see a couple and go, oh, they're the happiest people in the world. They fucking post pictures all the time. Yep. But then come to find out the guy heard some shit, overheard this chick's friend at their wedding mm-hmm. talking about some chick that had a similar name to his wife's. Yep. Right. And then it sounded like what they were talking about was that she was marrying the doctor, which is him. Yep. Um, but she also but had a boyfriend. She, but she on also the side. had a boyfriend on the side. Yeah. And he completely loses his shit, and you know he just feels completely betrayed, and it all comes out during their game and that's what they have to do yeah and i think we should explain that first you know in the beginning you know this couple shows up to this bar they come off this elevator they don't know why they are there they don't remember anything before they got there and they meet deckham who is a very uh stoic bartender very cut and dry um seems almost robotic yes he seems almost just like a very robotic person and Mm. um you know they meet him at the bar and he explains to them that he can't, he can't tell them anything. He can't explain why they're there or who they are if they can't remember. Just that they have to play this game together in order to leave this place. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the game, the stakes are your lives. Well, and um, that's brilliant. Did they say that? Well, that's, that's what he tells them. I mean, I right. guess that's true in a certain light. In a certain light, but they they have to tell people that because they need to see... The stakes to be high. They need the stakes to be high um, because these people are dead, which you will come to find out, and Deckham is what you call an arbiter, Mm -hmm. and they judge people and send their souls essentially you know we think heaven and hell but to them it's either if you're good you get sent to be reincarnated or if you go to hell essentially your soul gets sent to the void where there it's just nothingness you're yeah, just you're never re- you're, you're never gone. reincarnated you're just gone forever yeah. and mm-hmm. and it's interesting too because i like the whole almost like peter at the pearly gates kind of like judgment type of thing there but there's an interesting thing with the elevators that they have to uh, travel through to either get reincarnated or go to the void because they don't outright tell you who's going where. You have to and pay attention to you the... You have to watch the way the light moves. And the masks that are above the elevators. Yeah, because I, I don't have... know if that... I thought that too. Mm-hmm. But I think either elevator can go either direction. I think those are just their... 
Well, but here's because, the thing. Because like, if you pay attention, some of the people that go into the the demon mask elevator, the one with the demon mask over it, sometimes that one goes up. Well, the only reason why I think that it is kind of a judgment of where they're going, because not only do they know it's definitely that like the masks like move positions, but also there's uh, the one where this is getting a little ahead, but the couple where they're bowling, the bowling game, mm-hmm. essentially, you know, neither of them really had any kind of darkness in their soul. And you see that throughout the game. And so does, um, and by, and by the end, they both are, they're like super cool with like going right. and they're like holding hands. Right. And at the end above both elevators, they have the chair of masks for both. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Not so a single cha- one of them has the devil. Horns. They change. Uh, yep. I paid attention to that the first time I watched it. Cause I was like, are they always in the same position? Or do they change? And they do. They'll, you know, either the demon mask is that on makes the sense. left. Yeah, it's it's. It very... does seem like a malleable place that could just be whatever it needs to be, and that's why it is a bar. Yep. Right. It's like it doesn't have to be a bar. Right. I get the sense of that. It's just uh, gives people kind of a familiar. Right. I think a bar, yeah, is kind of like a familiar. It almost reminds me of like a hotel bar. That's how it feels to me. Like they go into like this a ho- lounge. Yeah, kind yeah. of like this lounge lobby kind of area, Private you know. Clubish. Yes, exactly. That's kind of what it reminds me of. And so uh you know, in the beginning we get this couple and they're they're newlyweds. They're just married and they find out they have to play this game. And you're like, okay, whatever. They're they're gonna start playing this game, and and they choose it by way of roulette. That's how it works for mm-hmm. any two people. And one thing we forgot it to mention: has to be two people. it always has to be yep. two people, and it's always two people that died either in close proximity to each other or at the same time. time as each other. It's or they have something in common, like with their deaths. Um, yeah, because the girl, like you said, your favorite ones when the fan girl shows up with. Uh-huh. And, um, and then she's the dude, the, the, the dudes, at the, uh, the boy bander the, guy. Yeah. The guy that is there with her is in a boy band that she is like a huge fan of. Right. And, um, so they aren't exactly, and they never actually even met in life. Or, no, and she they went to his concert then, like before they both died. But they just died. happened to die at the exact same time. Exactly. Yeah. Which and is so, kind of. it's you know but i mean you know whatever plot (laughs) so you know we have this couple that has to play this game and their chosen game is darts Mm -hmm. but what you find out because you're thinking okay they're playing this game and then it takes a very twisted turn because you find out that the dart boards are linked to their bodies and wherever they throw that dart and it lands on the board it could hit them in the heart in the kidney in the lungs they're going to be in pain Every single time they throw these darts and hit this board. And that is where their true selves and the darkness of them comes out. So Deckham can truly judge them and decide whether they're going to heaven or hell. Yeah, because you've, I mean, this guy's trying really hard to almost let it go. He doesn't really know what to do because he thinks his wife's a cheater. Yep, he thinks his wife was screwing around on him. And then so it puts that in front of you. Do you still sacrifice yourself for someone that you think fucked you over and i don't know if uh what's his name deckham deckham yeah 
I don't know if he knows exactly that. Right. I mean, I think he does get their memories. Though. He gets all their memories, hers and his. So, uh, you know, when they're going through the whole. So as people play these games after they die, that's how their memory starts coming back is by playing this game. It the it provokes these memories to pop up for them. So the husband starts remembering that he heard from the wife's friends that mm-hmm. she, he thought she was cheating on him before they got married. And then you find out that the wife, she was pregnant, and she remembers that they got into a car wreck, mm-hmm. and he, he ended up killing them both because her phone went off, and in his paranoia- didn't, She didn't want to check it. She didn't want to check it, and he wanted her to, so he went to grab her phone. They and went the off wreck. the side of the cliff. By the way, when you show up in this bar, uh, you have zero memory of how you got there, you what happened before. You don't know who you are, what happened before, And then anything. that's kind of the first well, thing you'll remember is like where you were- before this happened, but not necessarily how you died. Right. right. You'll be like, oh, I was driving and now I'm here. I don't really, that's kind of how it goes. And he'll ask you that when you get there. What do you remember? Yeah, that's his first question for you is, what do you remember anything before your arrival and to the bar? And most people are like, no, I don't remember. Yeah, they don't remember anything. And a lot of times, very rarely do they remember their own names either. It's, you know, it's almost like their whole memory was wiped and Deckham has it. Right, And so he's, you know, kind of using these games to kind of put them in those stressful situations that will unlock these memories. So, Well, and he's trying to draw, like, the darkness in these people. Exactly. Yes. And I wanted to talk about, because later in the show, um, by the way, um, Deckham has a woman there with him that... We call ha- her No Name. Yeah, and she had... He, she was like a person that he wasn't able to judge. Because so she he, shows up knowing she's already dead. That's why. Uh-huh. And he... So he keeps her there with him to kind of help with judgments, and that's his way of helping to judge her. Yes, because he has her as like his assistant to also observe these people and give him even her own insight as to what she observes of them. He has her memory wiped though, so she isn't aware that she's dead. I, I almost wonder if she thinks she's an arbiter t- in training. That's what I think she right. thinks too. I think that's kind of the assumption that they've given her because very rarely, I mean, it doesn't happen that people show up there and know that they're dead. So the fact that she did, she was kind of an anomaly, which is why they're kind of just... That's all they can do with her right now is have her be an assistant because they can't send her on anywhere. So she's just kind of stuck, and, you know. And she's perfect for Deckham especially because... She's the he, emotional we one. We mentioned that he is robotic. He doesn't really understand like the complexity of human emotion. And right. so anybody has their tipping point is the point, but most people have good in them. It's just like anybody has a breaking point. So you break people and push them over the limit. And that's really not a good judgment of who they are as a person, though. Well, right. And from her, you get a little foreshadowing for where the show is going to go later on. Because from that first couple, you know, uh, Decca makes his judgment. And in the next episode, she talks about how she could have been lying at the end when she's going on about how she did cheat on him and whatnot. Right, we should bring that up as like, so as we go on, the husband turns on his wife more and more and right. like is 
shows his true colors. He's fucking, you know, drooling all over the fucking floor and like a, just a babbling mess. And she's very strong in that moment and decides that he, she's going to take that off of him because he feels like he killed his... Her and his kid. And which he, he did. And he yep. did, which she he... She wants to take that guilt off of him and tells him that he's right about it all. They, like, how could anybody ever love you? Um, yeah, I cheated and makes herself out to be this horrible person. And then they make their judgment and... Well, he I goes think... to attack her, and you get to see, I would almost say, Deckham's power. He has these, they, but, al- they almost look like spider webs that hold people back from yeah, being strings. able to attack anybody, hurt anybody. However, though, I think his wife did have a one-night stand on him. I think I don't that's, know if she did. I think she did. But that's the beauty of this, though, is... Because Deckham makes, you... Deckham makes... The call, and I think he sends her into the void. He does. I, he, he sends does. her into the void, and her husband. And she's to like, be and that's kind of the thing is like, you could be making the wrong choices, right? Without even realizing it, because you don't understand the complexity of what is going on here. And I love that they foreshadow that like right away, because she's like, "How do you know that she wasn't lying to make him feel?" Because she feels like that she was, but then you also do get a flashback. The wife does have a memory of her. Well, you don't Laying know if that's in that bed. Could, that could be just a scenario, though. It may be not a memory at all. Like I think they, it they was just... a memory for her. I think what happened was, I don't think she was actively cheating on him. I think she ended up... She maybe up, did one time. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Who knows? It could have been like an ex-boyfriend or something like that before she got married to him. And I think she ended up having a one-night stand with him. And that's what they allude to, that it was a one-time mistake thing, that it really was his kid and everything. And it could totally be both. Like, she did, yeah. she used that guilt from that one-night stand to really impa- to kind of... impassion her speech on, how you know, taking that guilt off him. She did both things. Well, yeah, she was kind of freeing him of that burden, essentially, before he went on to be reincarnated. You know, yeah. I don't... I almost feel like, at that point... He would have made the call for both of them to go into the void, though. I don't think it's one. It has to be one goes one way and the one goes other. Maybe they both go into the void. Maybe I think they so. both because you get that, like you said, with the bowling couple. Yep. And they seem to both take it in stride and with grace, and then they both end up going to be reincarnated. Right. So it doesn't have to be you know a mutual split it can go both like a any different yeah any different number however you know Deckham decides and I think when we get to that point with that couple it it kind of shows you just how real the show is because after that you do get the episode like we said with the bowling couple where Mm -hmm. um you do get very It's a lighthearted thing when they're bowling it doesn't it it doesn't injure them it doesn't hurt them it's not connect it's connected to them their hearts are in the bowling balls but that's it it doesn't injure them it's not a hurtful game well we should get into that anyways because i mean episode 2 mostly is just it kind of them talking about the, the episode scenes. before yeah and them going behind the scenes so uh deckham has kind of a a mannequin hobby. <laughs> a mannequin hobby that is creepy. But, you know, he's got like a bunch of these mannequins that he's got hung up by his webs or strings or whatever. Which makes sense. Puppets. Right. And yep. he um, 
he uses that as a tactic, as a catalyst to make people play the game. Freak yeah, like out. a fear right. thing because they think it about looks it. like bodies. It does, and they think that if they lose this game, they're going to end up strung up too. They don't realize that they're mannequins. They're using all these different tactics to get the fear out to see what people will do in these desperate yeah. situations. <laughs> and you meet this new character. She's almost like, I would say, the supervisor of all the Arbiters. Nona. Nona. Yep. She. She's cool. She's like pretty her. cool. Um, who's she voiced by again? She's also another, I think, DBZ character, someone we knew, but um, it's not Bulma. No, maybe. I don't know. But it's pretty cool, though. Um, she's kind of like, you know, their supervisor. So she's taking the no name girl kind of behind the scenes. And that's where she's at when Deckham is doing his thing with this first couple. She's sitting in the mannequin room um, in the dark. Kind of watching. Yeah, kind of watching from afar and seeing how the game is playing out. And um, it's interesting because you'll see later Deckham gets tested by a supervisor and fails, which is kind of funny. But um, but it kind of goes into them asking these questions, finding out uh, what these people remember. Because people are supposed to remember who they are. But they're not supposed to remember like the fifteen to twenty minutes before they die, or that they're alive, right? Or they're or that they're dead, sorry. right? So it's like they're supposed to know who they are and you know what they come from, what they did in work, for instance, in life or whatever. But they're just not going to know um, how they died and that they're dead at the moment. So um that's pretty much the gist of episode two there's not a whole lot there and you kind of go into the no-name girl and her you find out that you know her memories were wiped away which i mean that like the main point of the show i think is to show that this arbiter system might be super flawed Exactly. I think it's showing you that it's not a clear cut and dry like how can you how can you just judge somebody based on purely only their memories and then how they react in one life or death game situation? I don't think you can. Well, I think it's more about it. like I get the reasoning behind it. Like you get to see somebody's how they re- react under actual pressure. Right. But a lot of people aren't equipped for that kind of m- shattering of their reality you know what i mean i wouldn't be i know i I wouldn't and you're not a bad person well i know that and no i'm just saying like but if you got judged where you and vince had to fucking like face some really ugly truths about each other and then not to say that you have anything fucked up to hide from each other but like just if you got put in a situation like just imagine if you could read people's minds Right. I think that would and, be horrifying. And that would suck because then you would see the real... That would be super hard to... You, I don't know. Maybe that would make it easier to... To see like, the truth in humanity. I think would almost... But then you would be almost like an arbiter. You would judge people on those memories. And I don't know. Yeah, it'd be tough. It, this, it is fucked up because... Who is equipped to judge anyone? Well, and look at, you know, when you move on to, you know, the next pair of people that come in, you have the mom who is a reality TV star 
and that guy who had just recently gotten divorced and had to move back in with his parents and mm-hmm. even with her I like you, that episode too. I did so. too. That one got very real cuz you find out with her that she essentially got knocked up in high school and went from abusive relationship to abusive relationship getting the shit beat out of her and having five kids and finally became successful right. she so finally she was... became successful on like a reality tv show but then due to her past you find out she's abusing her assistant mm-hmm. who ends up murdering her and even despite you know all of that what she went through in life to get you know to where she was and how much she loved her kids, it wasn't oh, enough. It shows God. you how abuse can turn a person into the abuser, and it yep. happens literally well, the all the time. scenes in that episode, too, man, it's fucking, it's hard. Like, I, it made me tear up when she's, like, fucking beat to shit, like, nursing mm-hmm. her baby. She's just laying there. You could tell she's, like, barely coherent. Mm-hmm. Just got the shit beat out of her. She's nursing her kid. I was like, that's fucking rough. Like, that was a... I mean, and it's a true fact, like, that actually happens in the world, and God forbid, you know, it's probably happening right now, but it's just, like, how real this show is, and, like, they're not scared to show something that graphic. Like, real-life shit, and they're, it also shows, like, subtly that a person that is abused their whole life, and then they finally work their way into this position of success and happiness and imagine the fear of losing that so then and also the anger that you have for the world underneath all of that and like well and what you had to go through yeah to get pridefulness there. and then feeds right into being the abuser right it's exactly. like if you don't it's tough because you know what I mean, and then yeah, ultimately that took her down the road of being murdered by somebody that she was abusing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look at what she does to the guy that she's playing against. Yeah, um, she manipulates him. She's manipulating him which, to try to help her win, and then when she loses her shit on him, she ends up smashing his face into that arcade game just. Mm-hmm. Over and over, it's like she snaps and then comes back to herself and is like, oh, dear God, what have I done? Can you help him, you know? And unfortunately, Deckham's like, well, sorry, you got to keep playing the game. Like, I can't do anything for him. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're playing an arcade game. It's almost like... Uh, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter style. Yeah, like Street Fighter or SNL or SNK, you know, those games. <laughs> you know, Will Ferrell or yeah, Chris that'd be a cool. That'd be a cool, fun, <laughs> right. cool game. That would be dope. But, yeah, so on to the other guy. Like you mentioned, he got a divorce, had to move back in with his parents. He's super depressed. Very and just depressed. Kind of shuts himself in his room all the time. Sitting around playing video games. And through them playing the game, he finds that, you know... He ended up just throwing himself out his bedroom window and killing himself. And he was like horrified. But but because he remembers also that all the love his mom was trying to give him. His stepmom, right? uh, I think so. I think, yeah, yeah, because he never actually called her mom. Yeah, and he never gave her the love. Like, he was... This one is tough for me because it's it hits pretty close to home. Right. For me. Yeah. Because I'm kind of that guy. Yeah. Uh, 
And yeah, like the oof, this is tough for me right here. Yeah, I know. This show does it to you. Now. It does, it really does. Uh in his misery, he doesn't see the love that people are showing him. Right. Right. And he can't uh cope with the fact that he killed himself and left all that pain behind. Yeah, and didn't right. even get to tell like call her his mom, you know, and mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those things like it what I love about it is it does kind of there's some relatability with I feel like any of the situations as the show goes on like, you know, I mean it's another one of those shows kind of like Steins Gate in that regard where it, it can present a scenario even and even if you haven't gone through it like exactly that way, there's still a way you can relate to that particular subject, you know? So it's very well written in the regard for that fact. Like Well, and I love when 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 both him and and the reality star gal, when they both realize that they are dead what has happened i mean they both just lose it and start sobbing and i love when you see the the empathetic like human side of deckham that hugs them and holds both of them while they're sobbing and just tells them hey you did the best you could you know like he offers them those last minutes i think of love and comfort that they they just needed somebody i you know i think to show them that and he does it would and be I hard to it. hear that and especially that guy's situation Right. It would be hard to hear you did the best I could. That's the best I could do. And that'd be depressing all on its own. It would. And I think he was just trying to bring him any sense of comfort before he passed on. Because I think because that guy, I mean, you even he's just so horrified. It's like he can't believe that that's what he did, you know? Yeah. In that moment, he keeps saying, you know, like, I never I never showed her. I never showed her, you know, like I never told her I loved her. And. You know, that's where Deckham is like, yeah, you know what? You did the best you could. It can get easy to lose yourself in your despair. In depression, yeah, for sure. And make that your whole world. Because that's all you can focus on. You can't see anything beyond that. And you think it's always going to be like this. Right. Like, And then, like he did, he looked at the window and he goes, fuck it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, this show it's is like so. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> that that episode was tough for me because that episode's like, very tough. Like yeah. I've been there a lot. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I related to that in a big way. Oh, yeah. But it's like it's kind of eye opening. You know what I mean? It's like the kind of shit you need to see sometimes. Well, it's almost kind of one of those shows that I think in its own way shows you like, okay, like what are you going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, it's... can be easy to make a rash decision. It is. They can echo through and... Just, like because they say when you kill yourself, you don't get rid of your pain. You just give it to the people you leave behind. You're making a very sudden decision. In that moment, a, you're not you're you're acting emotionally versus like rationally or logically, which is hard, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I 
That's the point of the show, though, is like... It is. Beckham it, doesn't understand that subtlety. Exactly. He, he, yeah, he just doesn't get it at all, which is why his assistant is kind of that... She's that good juxtaposition for him, where he's the very logical, clinical, like we said, robotic type that's just there to do his job and get it done, whereas she is looking for the subtle nuances and they almost represent as two parts or like yin and yang so he would exactly he would be the logical side of the human mind and she would be the emotional side so so that that's like a little you know i mean the show is very well crafted in that way yes it is there's a moment where you definitely see that in that episode because while they're playing playing the game um, Deckham pulls out this remote and she's like, you know, what the hell are you doing? He's like, you know, we have to pull the darkness out of these people. And so yeah, he sabotages, to... like makes the, as they're playing the game, makes the uh, ball on the joystick pop off and roll across. And that's room. when she loses her shit and smashes that she's guy's like, face in. Because that's when she starts to realize that it's not about, the game isn't about what's fair. It's about drawing out their dark emotions yep right and she's like you can't like and it's all the shit we've been saying you can't judge and it's what she says you can't just judge these people on this one scenario because here's the thing i think like all of us here in this room i think we're all good people but who knows what the three of us would do if we were pitted against each other in a game situation where we think our lives are at stake you know it's it'd even be like a hunger games type deal you know what i mean like Like, yes like you're throwing people into these situations and i mean they could have been thing is actually yeah you could have been the sweetest most kindest person on earth but when you're in that desperate moment what are you gonna do you know i think it really does show you're just bringing out the primal side yep of Mm -hmm. people which is totally there it's like everybody has their breaking point. It's like uh, just one bad day away from being the villain, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's like all... <laughs> it's like with me. Like I tell people, like I I'm not a very angry person, like at all. I'm just not. Like I don't get like truly pissed or mad very often. Like I have I have a very long fuse, but then once you get into like to the end of it, you better get the fuck away from me, kind of thing. Because that's when I will just snap and lose it and you don't want to be near me when that happens yeah oh yeah i'm sure vince knows that yeah yeah he does he knows <laughs> can't tell you how many times i've looked at him and been like i wish i could strangle you to death but my hands are too small i don't even remember what i did today but man she just looked at me and was like fuck you <laughs> you're about to get in the shower i don't remember what i said you asked me a question about something and i was like uh yeah and i just like took it very theoretically what she said and she just looks at me like god damn it yeah i look at him sometimes I'm like you know there are certain mornings where I, I think about smothering you to death with the pillow but i don't yeah you gotta have a special kind of pillow though i mean you can breathe right through one dude i'm a tiny person too do you really think i could kill him you know that's why we we've talked about it i have to poison him no physicality it's not gonna happen yeah well just wait for him to go to sleep you get a nice metal bat <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Hello, Lucille. I was gonna say that's I, I I don't know. Everyone already knows if I end up missing or dead, they're coming straight. Yeah, the cops are coming to me first. We know this. Yeah. Well, that's just the <laughs> way the police work, right? It's like if a spouse dies, they always look at the 
their partner first. Yeah. Yep. Always. Oh yeah. And always. a lot of the time, that's for a good reason. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I True mean, story. There's. There's Unless whole, it's Richard Kimball, okay, he was innocent. There's a whole fucking show called Snapped. Yeah. Just love about it. That. <laughs> you know. Love it. Yeah. But all right, so we get through this heavy episode, you know, with this couple. Well, and then couple, that's the bowling one after that, right? No, the bowling one's in between. We get the nice bowling one oh. in between. We kind of get this little reprieve and. Well, Even Nona it, says, you know, isn't it nice when we get games like these? So it must not happen very often that they get just a chill game, chill people, you know, and then we go into a very heavy episode, obviously, with the arcade game. And it's after that that we get her, the episode where she kind of tests him and we get introduced to another arbiter named Ginty, who's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love him and his his broken cat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they throw the test on him. Um, what were they trying to... They were just trying to see, like, test his perceptive. Yeah, test his perception and how well he judges. You know, they send in Genty, who you find out is another arbiter. He's disguised as a child. And then they send in, essentially, a dummy that's been implanted with some random memories of this kind of bigger dude who... Starts freaking out and is like, I've been here before and and grabs the kid as like a hostage and acts like he's going to stab him and stuff. And so Deckham essentially kind of loses focus and is more concerned about diffusing this situation and less about, I'd say, like the judgment. spotting that it was a fake. Then spotting that it was a fake, then realizing that this wasn't a true situation because he didn't get the memories of the boy either. Right. There's, they were saying that he should have known immediately. Since well, he yeah. didn't get memories that and, something was off. And that's where the supervisor comes in, Nona, and she's kind of like telling him, she's like, this is why it's important that you ask questions about their memories because you get the snippet. But she's like, you know, they're supposed to know who they are and whatnot. They're just not supposed to know the circumstances of their death and the prior events leading up to it. And it's interesting, too, because Deckham does ask the guy, you know, do you know who you are? And he's like, no, I don't have a clue. I just, you know, I'm here. Yeah. And that should have tipped him off there. So it's kind of interesting. You, you kind of get to see the occupational side of the Arbiter in this episode. Right. And, how and you get a nice little fight scene, too. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Where Deckham normally, he doesn't engage in that, but Ginty starts trying to fight him. And he, like plays into it he's like let's go i think it's because of the no-name girl i think she's starting to change deckham honestly with how she is and her point of view um i think she's kind of i'd say bringing out a more emotional side of him less stoic to where i think even though he he still acted very um robotic when they were fighting you could tell he was into it you know he'd never done that before he kind of broke character a little bit mm-hmm. and <laughs> so i was just thinking about uh the episode again with the girl since we're talking about the new yeah, guy so we move into Genty. To, before we do that the whole reason dude wants to fight deckham is because he's pissed about the fact that he's got her there he's like you should have just judged her and Center on, he's like, "What's the fucking problem?" Oh yeah, like he doesn't get it either. Right. 
Well, and he's like a human helping an arbiter make judgment is stupid. Which is probably not true at all. I mean, they obviously need a little empathy training. Right. Yeah, they need they need that human side for well, sure. What's it, cool, that would actually, if you found the right person, you would keep them there all the time, almost. Um, that um, would be a good balance because if you did have a, a human there with the arbiter, that would yep. set that would actually be more balanced. Well, and does judgment. that doesn't that eventually end up happening with Ginty with um with the fangirl? Which yeah, she which we're getting into. I love. Well, before we get into that, though, we should also talk about the memories and how they give kind of a background of that with uh, what's-her-face here. Her name is Castra. She's the girl that's uh, essentially responsible for putting together these memories of these people. And it's cool how they do it because their memories, and this will become important later... But when they put together their memories, they almost look like these artful pieces. Of like, like stained glass. Stained glass. Mm. And um, so she's like sitting at this, I don't know, weird kind of console. And there's like blood dripping. Into in wine glasses. Yes. Yeah. And she's got like um some sort of skull mask, like a cow. I wonder or... if the drops of blood are the memories that are and they're being collected. Right. Very well. Could, could be, be from all the deaths That's that she's what watching. That's that's kind of what I was thinking in that. She kind of struck me as like a lady death type almost, you know? Right. Yes. And, and well, and this show is all about like symbolism. Yes, very like, much clearly. so. So if you look at how things are constructed, like that scene, like I said, I think those are the memories being right. collected in yeah. those glasses. And then she. Well, and Nona asks her how it's going, you know, and she's like, well, we're trying to keep up as fast as possible possible but she's like you know dying like seven thousand a minute yeah she's like people are just dying way too fast though which is and she's like they can't just stop killing each other yeah yep she's like you'd think they'd learn but and it's it's kind of a somber moment especially like i feel like that moment there can be taken at any point with anybody like with current world events and it's going to be you know accurate well, and also like the amount of glasses that are scattered around, almost yes. like almost like buckets, like it's overflowing, or right. like the tears, you know, like when you yeah. see almost like the champagne glass tears at parties. She has those like stacks of them. Just yeah, it seems like it's an overabundance of memories, and she's essentially, just yeah, to... it looks like it's raining blood in this right. room, you know. And Slayer. yeah, this is pretty dope. <laughs> it's pretty dope. It is really cool. And I... So. And it's cool, it's interesting, like, it's almost like their memories are being processed by these machines when these things are being made, too. It's kind of weird. Well, mm. and I love how you see Deckham's eyes go all fucking crazy when he gets them implanted into his head. They go, like, almost robotic, you know? I bet you they're turning the blood into the glass. I think that's what they're doing, collecting it and turning it into these stained glass memories. <laughs> Which is super... That's so dope. It's it, yeah, it's a very cool concept. It's fun to to think about afterlives and just the process after death and just the different interpretations, you know, shows can take and then I love episode 6 is my absolute favorite because we got introduced to Genti in the episode beforehand and then we get to see kind the of judgment in his, his bar. Yes, his bar. So it makes me wonder just how many bars are in this place because you know there's obviously there's got to be tons of them with how many people well, are dying constantly if i recall correctly too i want to say that it's like 
the name of their bar is always what floor they're on and then their name. So, for instance, like for Deckham, his bar is called the Quinn Deckham and he's on the fifth floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know if they. What was say... the name of the other guy's bar? Do I don't. I don't know if they actually told us what the name of his bar is because we. You just kind of get thrown into and it. And it's where... a different style. It's more like a. It's very vintage. I would. Yeah, say. it's like a like a pub or like an old school. It almost reminds me like like an old school like gentleman's bar. Yeah, or like, like a, a hole in the wall bar. Sushi bar. Yeah, like of. a hole in the wall kind of bar thing. And his doesn't um, change as theatrically for the games Mm-mm. as Deckham's bar does. He, his is. He's more. He almost gets pleasure from watching like people suffer. He sees himself as above humans, and he almost despises uh, humans in general. And you see that. When they're went with the fangirl and the dude in the what's the name of the boy band? Cross Heart Attack. Yeah, oh, yeah. something like that. It reminds me of like a BTS C-H-A. kind of thing. You know, C H yeah. A Cross Heart Attack. And like so as that goes down, you kind of see that she's really obsessed with this guy, and you would almost assume that their connection would be that she murdered him as like a crazed fan. Yep. But, um be, but it's a super lighthearted thing, and that's kind of the uh, direction I expected it to go. Well, and I love her because I totally relate. I feel like she is the fangirl <laughs> in all and, of us. Like, she, dude. But you find out that she super loves this guy, like, for real. And, like, the whole time he's putting on the air that he is friendly and likes her, but in his mind he's going, oh, she, I wish the girl was cuter, and he's very yeah, self-absorbed you- and being a dick. And you find yeah. out that he's kind of like the womanizer type, yeah. and he ended up. I want to say he slept with a fan. Yep. And, and he was just like, out. yeah, he was like, all right, well, bye, you know, see you. And this girl ended up killing herself, and which really right. got to him. But then he starts a relationship with her sister, and he doesn't know that he did. And she has a one night stand with him. And that morning she leaves and leaves a bomb in his room and kills him and gets her revenge. Like, it's pretty dark when you find out his side of things. Because the fangirl, after his concert, she slipped on a bar of soap and fell and broke her neck in the bathroom. Like, it wasn't anything. just, like, hit her head on the floor. Yeah, she didn't really have... And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. She's like... (laughs) That was interesting with the guy with the bomb, though. And I loved how she put the message on it, too, because I think. Yeah, it was like a clock that like a heart clock. Yeah. Her sister's name was Kana or something. She just put like a gift from my sister, Kana. And he realized he's like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And it just blows up in his face. Like, it's a very. It's an interesting. Another interesting look at like a different way that they would react because he is at the point he's because they're playing twister. Yes, they're playing a very and, fucked up Twister. And the game uh, just keeps doing different things to make them fall or whatever. And eventually the floor drops out. And the, the only the spots that they're touching are left. Are left, and they're in these and awkward he, positions. And he's like, it's her or me. And he goes to kick, he's getting ready to kick her off. And that's when he starts to remember the girl dying. And like, he actually has almost a redemption because he remembers all the fucked up shit that he caused and he do- and he realizes that he wouldn't be shit without his fans and he was treating them like trash. 
And his and his fangirl, she essentially she's like, I can't hang on anymore. I'm about to piss my pants. Like I'm just she done. just she's like, I love him. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop like because like he's gonna she in her mind he saved her life. You know, with his music. His music, yeah. Like, and so she's like, oh, I'm going to give you something back because you gave me so much. Not realizing that he's a piece of shit and going to kick her off there. Yeah. But he thankfully sees that, tries to grab her hand. He tries to save her. She ends up falling. It looks like she's going to land on these spikes that turn into jello. And then mm-hmm. I love it. That happens. You know, obviously neither one of them die. And then she starts sobbing and freaking out because she pissed her pants. She couldn't it hold it anymore. And she starts just freaking out on Ginty. He's like, I need a shower. Da, 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 da. And, like, and, and he's just like, oh, dear God. Yeah, he's baffled <laughs> he by has, her. Yes. He has a sobering moment with humanity right then and there, too. Because at this point, he knows that, you know, her memories of her dying in the bathroom and all of that has come back. But, you know, like, she's sitting there freaking out about peeing her pants and wanting to change the clothes. And he's like, really? Even after you... Yeah, you care about that when you know you're dead? She's like, I don't give a fuck. I know. I she's need like, clothes. I know. She's like, I need a shower and some <laughs> and new he's clothes. he's, like, really taken back by that. You could tell. He's like, huh, what the fuck? Well, like, he's starting to see the subtlety. The dynamic well, like, of humanity. And she didn't even care that she died once. Like, once she realized, too, she's like, I got this awesome day. Yeah. She's like, I have to play Twister with, she's like, like a- my musical hero, this man that I love also. Can I just say, when she realizes he can see her underwear and stuff during Twister, and she's like, it's fine. Yeah, he can if look. anybody's looking, <laughs> it they, might as well be him. <laughs> and they yeah. get in all these, like, compromising Twister positions. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's so funny because she is, like, the true fangirl in all of us. Like, if you know, if I died and ended up there with, like, you know, Pedro or Jeffrey Dean Morgan or so, I'd be the same exact way. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a... And, by the way, at the end, you remember, um, he doesn't judge them right away and lets them do a little concert. Like, uh, so he gives her a private performance of, like, their first number one hit. You remember? Yes, uh, vaguely. Yeah, vaguely. I don't think, I think that was episode seven, the one. And right we only watched, that. yeah, oh, the first that? six. Yeah, because at the end of the sixth one, she comes out in like the little kimono outfit. She doesn't have crazy yeah. makeup and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're really kind of cute. Yeah, he's like, you're actually cute like this. And she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> when she's not trying so hard, you know, and just yeah. kind of her chill self, you know. And it's funny if they were alive, he, you know what I mean? They probably would have been like the perfect couple, but you know what I mean? It took that situation for him to be a better person. And then for him to realize that he's just a douchebag that goes around, you know, hitting it and quitting it with all these fans and just being a total womanizer. And I think, you know, once he remembers that that chick killed herself and stuff, like, he realized essentially what a piece of shit he was in his time on Earth, and mm-hmm. but the, you know the way they did that for them though really makes me kind of happy because that's kind of like the bowling one too because like all all they want those two want before they do reach their judgment is to have a date with one another. Well, it shows yeah. that even though people are flawed, there can still be good people at the end of the day, right? And they they share that kind of experience and. I, I I would have to say that might be my most favorite episode because at the end, you know, they're both just like 
wow, I just got to have an amazing date with this beautiful person. Well, and, and maybe it is stupid to be trusting because it shows that, you know, maybe the person that you trust the most is willing to kick you off a cliff. Right. But maybe that trust can, like, change them for the better. Right. It's like, so, like I said before, I mean, anybody can be a better person if given the right catalyst. Yeah. Maybe not every single person. Some people are just shitty people. Oh, but, most definitely. I think there are just some shitbag human beings but on it, the planet. But, I mean, it. that's the whole point of the show, like I've been saying, is like it's the subtlety of human emotion. Well, and, and I the, think they show you, too, that nobody gets out of life unscathed, right? You right. know, like we all... And nobody's perfect. No, and we all go through shit, like no matter... Who we are or, you know, like we were talking about when we first started, um, like with the reality mom, how, you know, people project these personas that they live these amazing lives and everything is so great and happy hunky dory. And you find out that that's, you know, really not the case. And and I like that they kind of show you that. I think it was probably like around the time of social media and when reality shows were big and anybody can lie and you can be that Instagram mom or dad or family or Whatever, but nobody truly knows what's underlying, you know, that surface level. Yeah, you never know what people are actually going through. Yeah, exactly. So it's like when you treat somebody like shit because you're having a bad day, you flip somebody off or you talk shitty to the cashier. Maybe they're having the worst day of their fucking life and they're just trying to get by and work because that's all they got left. And maybe you being a fucking asshole. Is the thing that pushes them over the edge, you know what I mean? Well, and that's why I always believe in treating people with kindness. You know, I, I know there are people out there that they embrace, you know, oh, I'm just an asshole person or I'm a bitch or whatever. And it's like, okay. That sucks. I hate that so much. Yeah. I do too. I'm like, okay, I guess respect for you that you realize that you're a dick. But at the same time, like, why do you need to treat people like well, that? It's like, you know? why would you take pride in that? Yeah, that's who, what I don't understand. It's is they're like, jaded people, though. They're hurt people. That, and hurting people hurt people. And they came to the realization that people are shit. So it's not worth even being a nice person because people are going to treat you like shit. They, maybe they started out a really nice person and they got fucked over a bunch. Yeah. And they were just like, you know what? I trusted people and that I got shit on. So why the fuck should I be a nice person to anybody? Right. It's pretty wild. (laughs) No, it is. I mean, it is wild just how just life affects you in general and, you know, your personality. You know, I mean, I've I've been through a lot of shit in my life, you know, just in general as a person. And but I never let it. I don't believe in letting it change me or harden me because I I, even though people suck, humanity sucks, you know, it, I, I still just believe in being kind to everybody and treating people how I want to be treated. That's, you know, that's the right way to be, but it can be super hard. It's hard for a lot of people, you know, like um, it is a hard thing for me to push past, you know, especially with my past and whatnot. Like with my past, I easily could be a very hardened, like bitter, shitty person. And I was there for a little bit up until, you know, I met her and her kind of view and aspect on life like that really helped me kind of change because I was like, well, you know, it's like when I first got with her, I wouldn't even open up really about my past or really talk about it because I was like, well, who fucking cares? 
you know? Yeah, nobody, that's, you know. But I could tell, like, genuinely she cared and loved me and wanted to know just because, you know, there are certain things that might set me off on the wrong mood or something like that. And it's nothing to do with, you know, her, the actual circumstance. It's more to do with just, you know, I'm going to perceive something in the wrong way because I was hurt in the past. Feeling some sort of way. Well, and sometimes I need him to almost be that outside more logical observer because I'm the type of person that like I I will give people the benefit of the doubt and forgive them over and over and over again I I can't help it that's just how I am I'm that's just so I am too I, I am I am a loving person and I care about people and sometimes I care too much and sometimes I need him to even pull me back and and show me that logical view of like okay I know you care but like this person isn't receptive to it yes they're you know or they're just they don't they're not a good person like can't see how you're feeling necessarily oh shit Kevin come on all over the phone keep this over here okay we're back all right, sorry everybody. Fucking Kevin spilled Chelsea's beer. All I know over Kevin place. is just being a little dick. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin. That's what he dick. does. Yep, that's what he does. A little K fed. Little K fed. Yep. Just being a jerk. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I guess we've kind of. That was the sixth episode, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The sixth episode's my favorite. How far did you guys watch? Just just through that. number six. We've had such a crazy weekend that. Right. Yeah, me too. It's so. hard to watch much, much further. But I mean, honestly, I was expecting these episodes maybe to be a little bit shorter since we're because this is just kind of for everyone listening uh, a little bit of a break in between like Steins Gate and some of the more longer series that we cover. Well, right. and I think too this show, I think we'll have more to discuss in the coming episodes as they they reveal more to you about kind of like the behind the scenes of what's going on because right now we're just the overarching story yeah you know right now we're just getting kind of the surface level stuff and they're giving us bits and pieces by introducing the oculus guy or um well the main thing is the main story is really around deckham and and no name girl nameless chick yep um and so you know her judgment is happening over the course of this whole this whole thing he can't really and you don't get really why he couldn't why what was it because she knew she was dead because she knew that she was dead when she first got there she couldn't play the game because you can only play the game to bring that out in you so it's like she was a weird anomaly that she couldn't play the game so they had no way to judge her so instead they wiped her memories and placed her in the role of his assistant until hopefully I think they're thinking that they could maybe spark something out of her, which you start getting hints of in the dreams that she's having and Nona mm-hmm. having Deckham. Like when he puts up the roulette board for the game, it shows this little girl who's outside playing in the snow, which no name gal keeps having dreams a, about of yeah, this it's, story. It's like this book, like a, chi- a children's book that, you're slowly getting the story over the course of the episode, so you get a little piece of the story um, as it goes. And it's about a little boy and this deaf girl and how they become friends. Um, but you're only getting this, and it's 
obviously very significant for her. Yes, but we don't understand the significance quite yet. It's been a long time, but I think I remember her, how she dies and stuff. And her her shit is pretty messed up, if I remember right. See, I'm a little fuzzy on I am too. I know that... Because I watched it the one time, however many years ago. Right, and I know that it it goes pretty far off the rails uh, here soon, getting into the further episodes, as far as it goes for... Not only just her and her gaining her memories back, but also the whole judgment process and arbiters and things like that. Mm-hmm. that yeah, well, you get really deep into it, which they start obviously giving you bits and pieces of right away. But then it almost because you just think you're watching the show about them judging these people that have died and stuff. But it, it delves so much further deeper into that. And it always baffled me that they were able to put so much into such a short little show Hmm. but i feel like that's kind of the same way with steins gate too though they do a lot in a little amount of time well yeah you don't have to necessarily have a a ton of time to tell a great story very true that's i agree with that too stretch it out it can be sometimes slow burns aren't very welcome you know you sometimes you know like with steins gate or death parade they gotta just you have to be thrown right into the middle of it honestly Mm -hmm. yep for sure but yeah, I mean, this series will be kind of a shorter one. We'll probably do. Yeah, just... we'll be done with it next episode, and then guests decide yep. what we're going to do after that. I don't... I've been trying to think. I kind of want to do something older. I was kind of uh, thinking... Like of... Scott was saying, like Cowboy Bebop, or... I'd be down for Cowboy show. Bebop. I think if you gave Trigun a full chance, you would... I'll try it's it. A, it is a slower. <laughs> I think it's like twenty something episodes again. Um, and yeah, it, it is kind of one of those ones where you're like, "Where are we going?" But by the end, you know, it, it again like Steins Gate uh, starts off super lighthearted, but by the end, it's very, you know, dark and heart wrenching and messed up. Yeah. I like stuff like that, though. You can ask Vince. I just, I love to sob. Some nights he comes home and I'm watching A Star is Born. He's like, why? And I'm like, I just needed to cry. <laughs> yeah, that is a messed up movie. So good. I watched it it's, five times in theaters. That movie. It's rough, dude. So good. I don't understand why you put yourself through that on purpose. <laughs> it is a sad one. It's very because, sad. You know, it's another look at. You know, comp- complex emotions. The why he kills himself at the end of that movie is mm-hmm. like he's sacrificing himself for her to take. He feels like he's dragging her down. Yeah, exactly. And it and it, God is so sad too because she she didn't. I don't think she felt that way. You know, it. No, oh, she was very. Not. She was absolutely in love with him. Yeah, but, she would have done anything for him. And but like, yeah, they had. I mean, probably in a sense he was, but like she would have never wanted that. No, she would have never viewed it that way. Yeah, it's super messed up. Whoa. It is a messed up movie, but it's great. I highly recommend it. Lady, Lady Gaga, Gaga, Bradley Cooper. kills it in that movie. Yeah, she does. I can't wait for her as Harley Quinn, dude. I am chomping at the that bit. That movie sucks, though. That's one of those ones where I relate to, and it makes me even more depressed, and I'm like, well, yeah. fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I've told her that before, too. I'm like, dude, it's like when we first got together. I was like, I, I would not fucking open up. Mm-hmm. And man, you know, I had dark fucking thoughts, so I'm like, ah, hate that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a good movie, it's but a little I hate too it. real. It's too much, too fucking much for me. Yeah, no. Nope. Yeah, there are movies like that. Well, yep. I mean, 
sometimes it's good to see shit like that so you can see sometimes i like movies that like people that can that relate see real life oh, yeah. you know what i mean Th- those real life movies that you know you you've been there you've felt that you well maybe you're you're still there and maybe just seeing a movie where someone's going through something similar even if it's not a real person you know it came from a real place when that person wrote that movie. That like, happened to me when I was in high school um, with the movie The Crow. And it's obviously like I can't really relate to that necessarily in any certain way. But it really, for some reason, it just helped bring me out of a dark time in my life. It's, and it's, it's good to see that the darkness in your head isn't the only, like you're not the only one. Well, that's or why... maybe that your problems aren't as bad as you think, and that you can see that it can get so much worse. Right, that there could, or that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel for you, even when it doesn't feel like that there actually is. You know, there's there's some sort of redemption for you in what you're going through. Well, yeah, that's why I get mad at like people that are really harsh about that disturbed song. You know, when he's going off at the towards the end of the song, and you know his mom's beating the shit out of him, and whatnot. So many people make fun of that part of the song, and they're like, oh, it's just so out of place and whatnot. (laughs) But I'm like, you know, not only did he, but people have actually gone through that. I'm like, that's not something to laugh at or fucking make fun of, you know? I'm Mm -hmm. like, he's portraying in his song that he went through that shit. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, and that's something that, you know, it's clearly something that, you know, bothers him. Right. Still. Yeah, you know, and so. Yeah, it's one of those things. People can be shitty about it, too. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm never one of those guys. Like, That's why I get irritated when you're like, don't look at me cry or anything during a movie. I'm like, I will never make fun of you for fucking crying like at something like that. Because that's a dick fucking thing to do anyways. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm going to disregard your emotions and what you're feeling in this particular you know, media. Yeah. Let me fucking make you feel bad for it. Like, you know. Yeah, that's, you know. And... I don't know. I've been that, you know, where people do that exact thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like people that you trust or whatever, and then you're like, oh, well, they're judging me. Yeah. Yep, and it's that's why I try to always offer to people. I'm like, you know, I am a judgment-free zone. You can come to me with whatever. I offer 24-7 phone service eight days a week, you know? Like, I... That is why I try so hard to be there for every person in my life is because everybody needs somebody. And if I can be that for you just for a brief period of time, I will do that because humanity has been too hardened and we need more kind souls in the world. And no matter what has happened to me in life, and I've been fucked over so many times by people and, and situations and... And probably shouldn't be as happy-go-lucky and positive and caring as I am. But I, I want to continue to be that for people. I, I want to be somebody that people know they can turn to, that they just need somebody to talk to. You know, I'll listen. I might not be able to offer good solutions, but you can cry to me for three hours about, you know, whatever is going on with you. I don't care. Like, I I will be that caring person in a world that is uncaring. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people, like we said, most people are good. You know what I mean? I think most people just want to live and let live. I think so, too. And 
it can be hard to be that positive person. I respect that you can do that. It's hard to not be jaded and just be that person that's proud of being a dick or just decides that I'm not even going to try to connect with people anymore because it's all bullshit. Well, you know, it, I, I've gotten fucked over because of it, but in the end of the day, you know, I would rather be too loving and caring and get screwed over than just not give a shit at all. Which is, like, probably why you relate to that fangirl, you know, with episode so much is because that's you. It's like it you, is. Yeah. I mean, she was, that's what made her a good person is that, yeah, maybe she lets herself get fucked over and you would see that as naive or And I think whatever. a lot of people do see me as that sometimes, like, naive or a doormat, and it's like, not necessarily, I think in moments for sure, but it's, I just... It can suck to be that person, but, you know, at least you're the good person at the end of the day, I suppose. Oh, yeah, and that's where her and I have, like, a very good kind of connection there. She teaches me to be more passionate with people and to not be jaded because it's easy for me. Like, but then it's like I can show her, you know, because unfortunately there are those people that will take that caringness and love and they're only going to use it sparingly and they're not going to use it. I guess uh, the best way take to take advantage it, of your kindness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so that's where her and I, like she said earlier, you know, there have been times where she keeps forgiving a person, forgiving a person, you know, they keep screwing her over. And I'm like, Hey, you know, this person is only going to give you so much while you're going to pour and pour and pour, you know, you have to, you know, maybe take a step back and let them realize, Oh, you know, she's trying to help me. She's trying to be there for me, not just, you know. Because, I mean, she's helped so many of her friends, and she's tried, like, to give them advice and have tried to. I'm not going to mention any names, but she's got a friend right now that's in a toxic relationship that, I mean, she's been, like, walking on eggshells and has tried to be, like, you know, be very caring and loving in the way she is. But I'm like, hey, maybe you should actually just be blunt with him be like hey this guy is a fucking asshole <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. this guy fucking sucks because sometimes people need a kind of hard kind of a care or love in that regard too where they may not be perceptive to it in the regard of you being a little too soft with it or soft-handed you know sometimes people need a reality check but in a caring loving way of like hey you know what I'm not trying to be an asshole but you're you're not you're not you're fucking this up you know essentially or you're not you're not getting what you're putting you know you're not getting back what you're putting into kind of a thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so her and i have a very good kind of we do yeah because there are times where i come off in situations maybe a little too hardened and she's like, hey, you know, well, maybe it's because of this. And I go, oh, you're so fucking right. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, that's a good way of looking at it. And I shouldn't be <clears throat> so quick to make an assumption, you mm-hmm. know. And, yeah, we have a good, like, junks of position between ourselves we do. in that regard. We have a healthy I thought balance. I had that until recently. But it is what it is. You know, it's I hard got, to find that. As I am apparently weak being that kind of person that tries to 
you know, fix things with people and I, you know, I don't know. That, that, I don't view it as a form of weakness. I don't either. I just view it as a form of you have to know, you know, when when to when to stop, essentially. Yeah. Because with some people, you can continuously keep pouring your love, care, and affection into them. And they're never going to put back what you've put into them, you know? Well, they're going to give you bare minimum, whereas you're giving them everything you've got. And that in itself can be very toxic because in a mental state, when you start thinking about it and realizing it on your own, it's one of those things that you, it's sobering, you know? And so it's not a form of weakness. It's just, you know, I think it's a form of maybe just caring too much, which there is, you know, such a thing. You can care too much because it's the same with like, you know, if you're trying to help somebody through an addiction right you know they they have to be willing to make that change they have to be willing to put in the effort to break that habit to break that chain whereas you know if they're not open and receptive to that yeah you could spend thousands of dollars putting that same person into rehabilitation centers where all the counselors have a script and they're just reading it to these people and telling them oh well this is how you might be able to deal with you know a craving or you know, anything like that. And if those people aren't receptive to that and finding, you know, because you have to be receptive because you have to find ways to calculate and formulate that into your own life. You can't just take what those people are reading to you off of pamphlets and go, oh, yeah, you know what? This is going to work for me in this style. So it's same with people in many relationship and friendships and things like that. If one person is putting in a whole lot of care and affection and work on one end and the other person isn't, it, it, it can be a very toxic situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then all if, you, if you're not able to pull yourself out of that, eventually you are going to realize that you are doing that and then all of that's going to turn into is resentment. Relationships should be 50-50. It should be both give and take on each other's parts. It shouldn't be just... One giving, one taking, or vice versa. You know, it's a, I mean, you're partners, you know, it's a partnership. You're there for each other. And, you know, if you can't accomplish that together, then maybe, you know, you you two just aren't the right pairing for that, you know? Yeah, because there have been times where shit, you know, something as huge as I'm having a very, very bad mental health day. I'm just fucking, you know, going through it. I'm you know, just in a mood and I'll tell her, you know, I don't want to go out and socialize. I just want to hang out, you know, be with you and the dog and have try, you know, as less stressful of a day as possible. And she accommodates me on that. And then there are even days where she might have something as small as like, Hey, I'm just not in a good mood. Can you take the dog out? (laughs) You know, and, And so it's like a 50-50, you know, like you have to, uh, you know, whether it's big or small, be there and not, the hard thing about relationships too is, you know, giving, but not expecting the whole world in return. Well, and, and patience and understanding, right? I mean, you are two completely separate entities, beings, you know, trying to coexist with each other. That's not easy. You're you're two separate people that are are trying to, you know, cohabitate or you know, whatever. 
And and that's not an easy thing to do because we're all so different. It doesn't matter, you know, whether like, oh, we have so many things in common. You're still two completely different people trying to coexist together. And so I think I th- I think us as humans, I think not not even in just relationships, but, you know, friendships, you know, family, strangers, whatever. I think we all could use just a little patience and understanding with each other. It's like I've said, you know, nobody gets out of life unscathed. Everybody is going through something all the time. And and I think realizing that versus just what's the word I'm looking for? Like not necessarily hate, but just the disdain we all have for each other and and the division just between people right now it's like let's just show a little bit of you know love and kindness and understanding you know and 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 just and just try to be there for each other and not well i think that's where the podcast stands out for me you get actual conversation between people we don't sit here we're not on our phones no uh we're not talking over a text message we are sitting here with microphones of course but we're talking to each other, and how many people sit around and talk to people like this? Not, not a lot. very much anymore. No, even just us doing this like once a week and whatnot. A lot of people, I know a lot of people that may not even see their friends for months. You know yep. what I mean? Or even talk to them for that matter. And it's like, I don't know. It's 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 refreshing to do the show because I do miss this kind of older sense. I of like socializing. I I like getting together in groups and hanging out. I enjoy game nights and movie outings like we do. And and I think that's important. I think human interaction is so important. I think where we lose a lot of our empathy and our humanity is hiding away behind all of our screens all the time and essentially everybody becomes this one man island unto themselves and and it's a very selfish thing too, I think. I think you end up it's all about me 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 and fuck everybody else. And 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 I get that to a certain extent sometimes, you know, cuz I'm like who gives a fuck, you know, it's all about like me and who I care about and fuck everybody else, but at the same time, too, I, I I don't think you can ha- I don't think you can have that mentality and live a happy life of just fuck everybody. I can't stand people. I hate them all. I think that's a very miserable existence. Yeah, you can pretend to be happy, exactly, and pretend to go sit there and go, yeah, I'm happy to be an asshole. Fuck everybody. Yeah, but people you know, pretend they don't need people, but you do. But you know that comes from a bitter sad angry somebody abandoned them hurt them you know whatever it's like we said hurting people hurt people i don't believe that you are just inherently born an asshole now granted i have met some people that i feel like they are just dicks to be dicks that's just who they are um but i like i've said you know I, i don't believe we all turn out the way we are just because like i've said you know nobody gets through life unscathed we have all every single one of us has gone through some shit in our lives I don't care what it is you you have been through something none of us are alone in what we've gone through yeah and your experiences are the worst thing you've gone through is the worst thing you've gone through and that's valid it is It, it totally is and I don't ever believe in comparing you know well I had it worse than you or this was worse for it me. Can it can be healthy to look at other people's situations and see that theirs is worse, though. And and I think it can be too. I'm just saying, as far as like comparisons, I I think 
I just don't necessarily think that's good. And well, I think a lot of people, their shit gets discounted or dismissed because, well, you haven't been through what I went through. And I don't agree with that is what I'm saying. Right, right. I'm just saying in a perspective sense. So you can go, oh, this this isn't that bad. It's not as bad as it feels. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You can put it into perspective and go. I think what a lot of people do is they just pick the bad pieces. They go, woe is me. You know, like sometimes I struggle with that. And then I have to reevaluate and go, okay, but my bills are paid. I have a roof over my head. I have food in my fridge. I have my husband who loves me. I have my precious little puppy dog who loves me. Like I do have it a lot better than a lot of people do. And and so I have to sometimes rein myself in for my woe is me. Life is doom, gloom, despair, and agony. My whole entire being sucks when mm-hmm. in reality it doesn't suck. It's just in that moment everything sucks for me. But one that doesn't is, mean it's my whole life. One thing that cures me of that is I watch a lot of like Vice uh, on YouTube um, reporting and like news documentaries and stuff like that that they do. And honestly, I can say for 90% of the people that even live in the United States, like, we have it. Even if you're, fuck for some people, even people living a homeless life in the United States is better than what some people have to go through in some parts of, like, uh, Africa, you know, like, Northern and Central Africa or South America and things like that. Um, It can always get worse. It could always get worse. And we actually, a lot of us in the United States have it. I feel like a lot of people, it's hard for them to not see that, you know, it's, it could always be worse. Well, because we live in an age of entitlement where everybody thinks that everybody owes them something and should just have their asses kissed and, and have like an easy walk through life. And that's just not life in general. It's not easy. Right. Oh, yeah. Well. We went on a huge tangent there, but hey. No, it's all <laughs> it good. good. I mean, that's kind of the point it. of this show is to talk about well, humanity people's... and human emotion. and Well, yeah, and that's kind of what the show is is talking about. And even us, you know, we're showing our two listeners, you know, just <laughs> how human we really are, too. I know, Mike. I'm sorry. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. I got you doing it, you too. Guys. <laughs> you guys. know. You guys. We love you. <laughs> All right. And you, well, two listeners. That's a good place to end the episode. Um, catch us next week when we wrap up... Um, death parade and yeah. then we'll jump into something else by the way i just went and picked up uh the new dragon ball super movie on blu-ray check so it out that, if you haven't seen it that's available it. to purchase now so you should go and get that that took forever for them to i feel like we saw that for, wasn't it august that we saw it yeah it was a long time ago. yeah, yeah it, was it was a long august. fucking time ago it was august that was Took him half a year. You know, 20 episodes ago or something. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I, I want to say that came out shortly after we started doing this. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It was, but you went with us, didn't you? I yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a cool yeah. movie. Of course I did. Me and Riley watched it last night. Like I would miss out on a new Dragon Ball movie. It's such a good movie, too. It's very good. Was, I highly uh, recommend it. BC on the podcast before Chelsea. So. Yeah, before <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and AT after Ted. Yeah, right. <laughs> after Ted. Yep. 
You got at and BC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, send us off, Vincent. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us go on about our nerdy animes here. Check out thecomiczone.com to check out the main show, as well as previous episodes of Dragon D's Balls. Mike and um, Bill have been doing YouTube videos of the main show, too, so check that out. They've got some pretty interesting uh, episodes of that up, especially the trivia night with yeah. the uh, MC Universe. With Chelsea. Yep. Hell yeah. That was a good episode. It was. <laughs> yeah. All right, nerds. Peace out. Hasta la pasta. Later. Urishibara Ruka, delicate as an orchid, fair as a cherry blossom, the personification of feminine grace, and a dude.